Hello there, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. I'm your host, Garrett Lynch, and as always, let's get ready to own it. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. you. On this episode, if you want to learn how to make your business or businesses resilient and the future of digital real estate, you're listening to the right episode. Before we get into the content, if you guys have some money sitting on the sidelines and you're wondering what to do with it because it seems to be getting hit from inflation or the stock market is dropping off and you're you're uncertain about that, crypto is getting crushed. Multifamily real estate is one of the most resilient asset classes in any stage of the market. And you can invest alongside the pros. Just go to nighthawkequity.com. Myself, Drew, and Michael are the partners over there. We have over 300 million in assets that we own and operate currently in the Southeast. And we would love to chat with you. So just go to nighthawkequity.com, click the Join the Investor Club button, and set up a call with David. We'd love to chat with you a bit about what we have going on and talk about some interesting opportunities that we see on the horizons. want to give a shout out to Brandon Howley on YouTube. He said, great content, the most in-depth insight on apartment building investing I've seen online. Thanks so much, Brandon. If you guys want to give a shout out, go comment, like, subscribe on our YouTube, and we may just shout you out on this podcast. So before we get into the actual show, I wanted to chat a little bit about what's happening in the marketplace and some of the things that we're seeing on our end. So let's just say inflation's at an all-time high. Interest rates are skyrocketing. They just raised interest rates by another 75 bips. They'll probably do it again very soon. And we're seeing a surplus of supply hitting the market. Just deals are unloading because there's investors that are scared. They have variable interest rates and they're afraid it's going to go up and erode into the equity that's been built. So you're hitting, you're seeing just this crazy amount of deals hitting the market. On top of it, people don't really know how to underwrite right now because they don't know the true impact of the inflation and the interest rates in combination. And what I'll say is that while the interest rate situation is not amazing, the inflation is still much stronger than the interest rates rising. And so now is the time if you are an owner, operator, multifamily to really capitalize your operations and take advantage of this inflation. If you're not renewing at 8%, you need to start just to help build in that extra padding. And I, I think that in this environment, it's just always err on the side of caution when you're just make sure you have ample cash, you're building up those cash reserves and you're watching how your interest rates are being affected. Luckily in the commercial side, especially if you have a variable interest rate loan and you're going on SOFR, SOFR is that it doesn't move in tandem specifically with the, the rate hike. So if, if your things are going up by 75 bips, so it doesn't mean SOFR goes up by 75 bips. It means it will get affected, it will likely rise, but it's not going to be as drastic as some other things out there like residential loans. So it's still not a bad place to be in commercial real estate, especially multifamily. We can still take advantage of 
the rising inflation and just be cautious of the rising interest rates, of course, and still hunting for deals out there in the market as they come through. Make sure that you, if you are going after a deal, that go with a lender that you have a relationship with. Especially right now, it's super important because you don't want to get retraded at the end. And somebody that you already have a relationship with is likely not going to do that. So hearing horror stories out there of new relationships, people trying to build lender relationships on the first go around in this environment, and then they're getting retraded at closing and it's, it's causing problems for them. So with that said, guys, I'm going to introduce our guest, Ryan Pineda. So Ryan Pineda has been in the real estate industry since 2010. He began his career as a realtor and soon realized that he was a path that he wanted to continue on. In 2015, he had only $10,000 in the bank and he started to flip houses. Since then, he's flipped hundreds of homes, purchased hundreds of rentals, opened another, other multi-million dollar businesses, which is incredible, which we'll go into on the show. He's amassed over a million followers on social media where he teaches others how to build wealth and freedom. He's big into TikTok. He's big into YouTube. His mission is to help people become wealthy without sacrificing everything to do it. And he has a brand new and very exciting NFT and cryptocurrency project that he's been working on. So with that said, let's get into the interview with Ryan Pineda. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. So Ryan, you've got a lot of really interesting things going on with your, your platform. You've got a ton of a TikTok followers. You've got you know, you're really hitting social media hard. I think your YouTube has 221,000 subscribers and Instagram and you're, you're hitting everything. Talk to us a little bit about your story, how you decided to get into this and, and kind of where you came from. Yeah. So I know the, the show is a little shorter, so I'll give you like the two minute story. You know, I, I got started playing baseball growing up. I didn't want to get into real estate. I definitely didn't want to be a social media guy. Didn't even exist. All I want to do is play pro baseball. And so, you know, I ended up getting drafted by the Oakland A's when I was 21 years old and, you know, pursued that for many years. I ended up playing in the minor leagues and other professional leagues for eight seasons. And during that time, many people don't know, but I, you know, you don't make much money. So I was making 1200 bucks a month while I was playing and I didn't really have any money. And I had to learn to kind of live off nothing while pursuing a dream. But that's kind of what led me down to real estate and just entrepreneurship in general. You know, I was doing weird side hustles and things during my time playing. And, you know, I became a realtor when I was 21 just to like try and make some money. You know, I realized I hated being a realtor. <laughs> I realized I, I didn't enjoy many of the things I was doing. But they, they paid the bills. Like I, it just, and I can't even say they paid the bills. Like I, you know, was living in poverty, you know, I was making probably like 20 grand a year. And so it was just enough to pursue a dream. And eventually, you know, I found house flipping in 2015. And that kind of changed my life because I realized like I was always good at finding deals. I was always good at negotiating, but I just didn't have money. And so eventually I realized like there's all these ways to raise money for deals, you know? And the moment I learned about hard money, that was like, an epiphany for me, like the light switch went off that, wow, I can actually buy these deals that I'm going to find. This is not like reserved for just people who have hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so ended up finding a good deal in 2015, 
maxed out all my credit cards to fund the down payment on that first flip. You know, I had $10,000 saved up from side hustles and stuff, couch flipping, if anyone's seen that video. And then I had, you know, $50,000 worth of credit that was available to me from me and my wife's credit cards. And so I said, you know what, you know, we're just going to do a balance transfer, get all this money in cash and use it as the down payment. And so that's exactly what I did. Bought the first flip, ended up making about $25,000 on that first deal. And it just like, from there, my life was changed. I was like, wow, if I just did this like a few times a year, I can make a hundred thousand dollars. And so that was my goal. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And so that first year I flipped five houses, you know, the next year I flipped 20 houses, made $200,000 that year. It was like unbelievable. Most money ever. Like it was just nuts. Next year, flipped 50 houses. Year after that, flipped almost 150. Then been flipping, you know, 100 plus every year since. And along with the success of flipping houses, you know, all these other businesses started to form because, you know, I just started seeing these other opportunities and people were kind of asking for them. You know, people were like, "How do I flip houses?" And so I started an education company called Future Flipper. Then people were like, "Where do I get my taxes done? Like, who's your accountant?" And so I started a CPA firm called TrueBooks. Then people would be like, how do I invest with you? So I started a fund, you know, how do I, you know, do this? And it's just like, I always started a new company for those things. Like that people kept asking me about. And now we have thousands of clients across all these various companies, thousands of students, but you know, the social media thing ended up happening in 2020 when the pandemic struck, you know, I didn't have a TikTok. I didn't have a YouTube. I didn't have anything. All I had was an Instagram with like, 10,000 followers. And, you know, I just remember looking at the world and I was like, what can I do with my time? And eventually I just realized that I thought social media was going to grow even bigger than I like it currently was because I thought people were going to be kind of locked in their house with nothing to do, kind of looking for ways to make money. And it turned out to be, I underestimated that, <laughs> that theory. It was like gangbusters. So, you know, I started making videos kind of just like trying to figure it out. And soon enough, like I just start gaining momentum and like everything's growing and growing and growing. And, you know, as you mentioned today, two years later, it's like, I think there's one and a half million followers across social and, you know, we have full production staff and studio and, you know, just making content, you know, every single week. And in turn, it leads to all the businesses growing as well. So it's just like this win-win, you know, we get to help a lot of people making videos and then in turn, a lot of those people buy our products and then it just kind of keeps cycling over and over again. So you make it sound so easy. So you just say, Hey, Oh, somebody asked me a question. I pop up a, a company. I pop up a company. Yeah. How do you do that though? So effortlessly, it sounds like in as far as finding people, I mean, you got to hire people, you have to, you know, understand the framework. Talk us through your process a little bit. Good question. So on the entrepreneur side of things, my business acumen has really developed over the last few years. You know, I think when you're first starting a business, you kind of always start as a hustler, right? And you don't know how to do anything. You don't know how to run an organization. It's just you hustling, making money. And so like, that's how I was for years. It was just like, hey, find more deals, worry about the rest later, right? And didn't have any bookkeeping, didn't know what I was doing on the tag. There was no strategy other than get deals, make money. And I think that's fine for people when they start. Like, whatever generates revenue is how your business stays alive. But eventually, 
in 2019, when this is when things changed, you know, 2019, I had the first time I ever lost money flipping. I had a bunch of flips go bad. You know, I didn't lose money for the year. We still made money overall for the year, but like it was the first time I ever like took a punch in the face because up to that point, I'm like, dude, everything I touch turns to gold, man. This is great. And it took getting punched in the face to really change my ways. And so I remember of all the bad flips combined, we lost about half a million dollars on those deals. And I was like, okay, we need to reevaluate why did this happen? And I started to look at my business and I realized like, well, we're not tracking our cash flow. Um, we're not tracking our hold times for our contractors or anything. We're not tracking how often we go over budget. You know, we're relying on a hot market to push values forward. And we're just creating all these bad habits. And that's why we lost. And it's also too why we almost ran out of cash, even though we had made millions, because I just wasn't tracking cash flow or anything. And so I realized I had a problem and I didn't know how to solve it because nobody ever told me how to truly run a business like the right way. It was just hustling and making revenue. And so I owe so much of this to one of my mentors. His name is Gary Harper. He ended up coming to my office for three days. You know, at the time it cost me like $17,000 to bring him in. And he basically restructured my entire business and said, this is how you run a business from the corporate level. And this is how you build org charts. This is how you build SOPs. Never did any of that stuff before then, right? And he said, this is how you do it. And this is how every company does it. And so I ended up going through that. I realized how to hire people the right way, personality test, you know, creating clearly defined KPIs and things for them to hit. And it just, it all made sense, right? And so I did that in my house living business and we ended up, you know, having our best year in 2020. And then 2021, we had our, you know, we doubled. And, you know, during that time, I realized like, okay, this whole thing would apply to other businesses as well. And so, you know, when I built my tax company, same deal, right? Who's the CEO? Who's the COO? Here's the departments. Who's in charge of what? Everything, right? And what I soon learned was as I was scaling all these businesses simultaneously with the same process, I realized every business is the same. They all have the same issues of, hey, how are we generating leads? How are we closing leads? How are we servicing and fulfilling a product, right? How do we hire the people to get the people to service and do all these things, right? It's all the same. And so it pretty much gave me the confidence that anytime I wanted to start a new, like basically I created an SOP for starting a business. <laughs> so it's like every business we start, it goes through the streamlined process. Okay. What's the name? What's the logo? What's our mission statement? Who is our avatar or demographic that we're trying to hit? What's the marketing plan going to be? What are the people we need to hire? Right. And so it's like now every business we start kind of hits the ground running pretty good because we've done it so many times at this point that it's like, I don't want to say like I've started an incubator, but it's kind of what it's become. And now what's interesting is at the current level, I had to create like essentially a parent company now because we have all these companies. And at the parent company level, we basically do everything for the companies that they would have to otherwise do themselves. And it takes away from them like really doing what they do well. So for instance, at the parent company, I have a full-on IT department for all of our tech. I have a media buyer. I have a sales manager. I have our HR. I have legal, finance, all these things that every single business has to do, whether they know it or not, we've streamlined at the top level. And so now every time we want to hire somebody, 
you know, my business just submits a request to HR, the person gets is magically delivered to them, right? Whereas other businesses have to struggle so hard to like go fill voids, right? And so the CEO or the COO is like out there hunting for people. And then that takes away from them focusing on the business and whatever it is, because they're busy doing all of these tasks that kind of my parent company does. And so, you know, all of the businesses I own, whether I have partners or not, they just love it because it takes so much time and like stress away from them. And they can now focus on growth and doing the things that are going to drive more revenue, more customer fulfillment, more satisfaction and, and everything else. So it sounds easy and it's happened really fast, but let me tell you, it is not. It took a lot of time to do all this. And then it took a lot of time to find the people that can like really execute these things at a high level. One of the challenges, and that, by the way, Ryan, that was, that's incredible that, that you've been able to build those layers and these companies after figuring out this, this structure. I mean, that, that's such a valuable lesson. So every business has single points of failure. And I'm just curious, which, you know, inside your organization, how have you been able to kind of offset those single points of failure to put yourself in a less risk adverse situation. You talked about it a bit with your parent company. I'm just curious, there's other methods that you're using to kind of help offset that because that's one of the things obviously that keeps any business owner up at night is, oh, this guy's gone or this thing happens and we're in a really tight spot. And and I don't know if I have the time to jump in there and take it over. 100%. So good question. I am constantly thinking about how we could get screwed. For lack lack of a better word, I'm like, man, okay, to your point, right? If this person dies tomorrow or leaves, or if, you know, this way that we market no longer works anymore, what are we going to do, right? Is there any third party service we use that like we, our business is dependent on? If like they go out of business, are we screwed, right? So I'm always like thinking worst case scenarios. And I think that has made us very resilient. And able to like pretty much go through all the bumps that happen along the way in business, but be kind of not unaffected, but like very smooth through them. Whereas other companies, like they collapse. So I think it first comes with identifying, like you said, places where you're weak. I remember just to give an example with house flipping, when I first got started, I only bought off the MLS. That was the only way I found deals, right? Then I learned about wholesalers and I only bought from wholesalers. And then I soon learned like, man, there's only so many I can buy. And these guys are like now getting crazy money on the MLS for their houses and wholesalers are getting crazy money. What am I going to do? And so I start, you know, direct marketing to sellers. And so it just was like this evolution of adapting, but also being resilient in that I'm not going to depend on wholesalers only to get deals. Because if I do, we, we might go bankrupt, right? Or we're not going to get the deals flow that we want, you know? So always being in control of that. But now, like I think about, this is a big thing I think about now is like me, like, okay, where am I the source of failure? And within the day-to-day of the companies, I've pretty much removed myself from all of them, you know? So it's like, I'm not needed to go run my education company. Like we've got leaders and coaches and everybody else. They, that thing runs without me. Same thing with the house flipping. I don't go on appointments. I don't need to underwrite the deals. I trust my team to do what they do, right? And so it's great on the day-to-day side, but where I know a big hit would be is if I died tomorrow, 
on the marketing side, what happens? Because if I am the one driving traffic with my social media, what happens? And some companies would be affected more than others. And some were currently in plans to not have succession, but like just, you know, be prepared so that, you know, if I choose to stop making videos tomorrow, which I don't plan to, but, you know, in the event, how can we keep these things going? How can my employees still have jobs? How can this company stand without me? So like, for example, like the biggest one would be Future Flipper, my real estate education company. It's like, okay, that obviously I am the face of it. And so people watch my videos. They want to learn how to invest in real estate. And so they go there. How do I make myself not the face of it, driving traffic? And so what I did was I said, what do we do really well to generate leads now? We're really good at social media. You know, there are some companies that generate all their traffic from affiliates. Some generate it from, you know, paid ads. Some do like live events and they try to convert from there. That's cool. But we do social media like probably better than anyone. You know, we're world class at that. And I said, what if we just took our entire back end process with my social media team and instead plug different faces into it? Right. And so what I did was I got all of my best students and coaches who I know are good on camera, who love making videos. And I said, let's create a sole channel for Future Flipper, a YouTube channel. Let's create an Instagram. Let's do all these things. And you guys are going to make all the content for it. We will do the back end. We'll post it. We'll edit it. We'll do everything. All you need to do is make videos. And the benefit for you is you're going to get so much exposure being on this. And you're going to get a lot of content that you can use on your own channel and you know your own following. It's going to be great. And sure enough, the theory has worked, you know, and Two and a half months of starting those, you know, the the YouTube's got five thousand subscribers, the Instagram's got like thirty thousand followers, and it's not me, <laughs> and that's the beauty. And like, we're actually launching a podcast this week, where guess who's not the host? It's not me. And so, you know, in the end, I'm trying to really proactively remove myself, not because I want to stop doing it. I love training and teaching our students. I love our events, but like to your point. I know I'm the single source of failure in terms of traffic for that. So how do we eliminate that perspective? Like, you know, at the end of the day, how do we make every business I own potentially sellable? Not that I want to sell, but like build it towards that way so that I'm not needed and it can just print money. Yeah. You want options. You know, you don't want to be that single source of failure. There's, there's a lot of areas where you as the owner can be that. I mean, I, I was we were looking through some of the things. I'm like, shoot, I'd have to hire like seven people just to replace me on certain areas of the business that I'm that I'm working on alone that I'm I'm excelling in. That's a problem. You don't want that. Because if you're you're gone the next day, you want to have everything covered. Hey, I want to tell you about our mentoring program because I'm just excited at what our students' results are. We have students routinely do their first deal because they're working with a full-time syndicator. And that mentor is helping them do their first deal faster. That first deal is a lot bigger than if they did it without a mentor. And they avoid some of the biggest mistakes that can simply make you want to quit out of the business. So if that's interesting to you, if you value mentorship, check out our mentoring programs at themichaelblanc.com forward slash mentor. You can schedule a call with us and see if mentoring is right for you. And uh, we look forward to having a conversation. So on that side, so guys, you know, diversification is, is huge. Once you start to build 
your real estate business even so i mean obviously ryan has come up such a long ways far exceeded just the wholesaling business has gone into different verticals and is now having to think about how to offset things in those verticals but even as you start your real estate businesses you know you may start in the beginning where everybody's wearing a ton of different hats and the sooner you can figure out how to hire and create processes and, and procedures around you know diversification and in a way that that protects yourself i think the better it's just super important in general i'm curious do you do you cross train people as another form of that in avoiding risk for multiple companies multiple companies multiple or or within the same companies multiple you you have different people that understand how to do your major tasks things like that because that's something we found fairly effective and just curious if you guys are doing anything like that yeah you know what's interesting is some of my employees it's very rare but some will work at two companies especially sales team because sales are sales at the end of the day so it's like yeah you know we could sell anything it's like just tell us what we're selling so sales is probably the one where there is some crossover but what's good for me anyways is that many of my employees have ascended through different roles you know so like i look at my coo of home run offer which is my house flipping company you know he started out as you know our dispositions guy then he was the mls guy finding deals then he was like some other role i can't even remember and then you know now he's the coo so he's like experienced almost every role so you know for instance our disposition and marketing guy actually he was a marketing guy too that's what it was so you know last two weeks our disposition and marketing guy was out of town in paris for two weeks right and so it's like, all right, what are we gonna do for the next two weeks, right? And he he worked a little bit while he was on vacation. He did a good job, but still, like someone had to fill in the gap while he was gone. And so, you know, Sean, my COO, knows how to fill in the gap. He knows what he does, and so he fills in the gap, and it's good. But you know, with that, we still have other people that can chip in and help. Like our TC knows how to help with a lot of the things we're doing, right? Sales team even like knows how to help. Like so, we have setters and closers, right? So we have the inside sales reps who are just talking to sellers all day on the phone. Then we have the outside sales reps who are going on appointments and doing all that. It's like, yeah, if our outside sales rep can't go on an appointment, one of our inside guys could do it, you know, and they can go close somebody in person. So I think, yeah, everybody is very multi-talented in the same way that I am as well. Like I could kind of step into many roles and do it, but there's actually a lot of roles I can't do. Like, cause I just been so far removed. I don't even know. Like I couldn't even log into our marketing right now. I have I have no idea how to do it. Like I don't even have the login. I don't know what I'm looking for. I have no idea how he orders our TV commercials or like I have no idea. Like when I go to my sites, I don't even have the keys. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Just yeah. let me in. <laughs> like yeah, I have no I idea. Have, have anything. <laughs> and you know, like I don't I don't edit my own videos. Like I don't know what I'd be doing. So there's so much I don't know, but there are things I could go fill in for. So as long as you have multiple people that can like fill in, like no singular person is the only one who knows how to do that role, you're okay. Yeah. And the beauty is too, with having the parent company, they're very aware of all the roles because like, for instance, HR hires that person. And so it's like HR is building out an SOP and the only way they build it out is by understanding what that person does. So it's like, theoretically, anybody should be able to step in if they have an SOP and do it. Now, how good they can do it is, up for debate, but at least like keep this, the team functioning. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. I want to pivot a little bit, Ryan, and I want to talk about something really interesting that you have been diving into called Tykes. What is Tykes? Yeah, man. So Tykes is my first ever NFT project. Some I'm really excited about. You know, I've been in crypto since 2018 and you know, start buying NFTs last year in 2021, kind of understanding what's going on with them. Oh, so you didn't get hit with the the crash in the beginning. I went to, I bought into the hype in like 2017, right? Before everything got smashed out. Well, actually, then, then I started in 2017. I can't remember. Okay. So you, that's what, that's what it put it on your radar. I was like mining in like Kansas City. I had like, I bought so many miners back then that I got smoked on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, no, it, was, I, it was crazy. Well, you, dude, you literally, you'd send like Bitcoin cash to China and just hope that these things would show up on your doorstep and then these big metal boxes. <laughs> And yep. then they would, and then they would, you know, I, I think I, I spent like a hundred grand through Bitcoin cash out there. And then all these miners showed up on my doorstep is basically paperweights. Now <laughs> the S nine ant miners it was, it was hilarious. That that That's was the first cycle. And I'm like, it was enough. Like I lost enough money in that time to like put it on my radar. And I learned a ton since then. And so this, I was able to capitalize this round, but Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I got started when you did. When Bitcoin was 20K, that was when I bought and then it tanked. And so mm. I was like, yeah, crypto sucks. Like it's a scam. And, <laughs> you know, sure enough, in 2020, with the government printing all the money and everything, I'm like, dude, I think crypto is like, there's something to this. And the more I learned about Bitcoin, the more I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a thing for sure. Like, there's no doubt about it with how the government cannot control how much money they print everything that there is. But then, you know, I started learning about just the blockchain as a whole. And, you know, you start seeing these things with NFTs and you're like, okay, what, what's going on here with these JPEGs? And, you know, I didn't understand it. I'm just like, okay, that's kind of cool. Like I get it, you know, it's art, whatever. But then you start seeing them come out with utility and you see guys like Gary V talking about it and like seeing him attach it to his conference. And, you know, and then I see other ones producing all these things. I'm like, dude, this is the future of business. Like I get it. And, you know, you see Gary V talk about things long enough where he's been pretty accurate on everything. He's like, get on TikTok, get on YouTube, like stuff matters. And him yelling at the top of his lungs about NFTs. And I'm like, okay. I needed to research more. And the more I researched, the more I realized that ironically, real estate is the biggest industry that is going to be impacted by the blockchain. And the moment I understood that, I was like, I'm all in. And I was like, I, I have to pursue this. Like, these are going to be my next businesses because literally, I mean, real estate now today is a multi trillion dollar industry. And you can imagine that as that industry shifts, towards all these new innovations with the blockchain, that's going to be a multi-trillion dollar industry, whoever capitalizes on it. And so, you know, I started to really talk about it and, you know, present it in different events I spoke at and on YouTube and stuff. And the number one question I got asked was people were like, okay, like I agree with you, but where do I go? How do I learn more? And for me, as if you can't already figure it out for everyone listening, whenever I see an opportunity, I'm like, I guess I got to create a business. And so, you know, I end up saying there's nowhere you can go learn about it right now. There, there really isn't. I guess if you want to learn about it, like watch my videos whenever I do talk about it. But I'm like the only guy really 
passionate about it at this very moment, at least making videos and, and known. And I said, but I'm going to create the community where you're going to go and learn. And so that's exactly what Tykes is. You know, Tykes is going to launch in mid-July. And, you know, it's an NFT collection that if you buy, you know, one NFT, you're going to get access to the community and think of it like a real estate mastermind, any real estate mastermind that you join, right? We're going to have trainings. We're going to have courses. We're going to have events, you know, all the things that we have, you know, normally in the real world, but they're all going to be geared towards, you know, what I call digital real estate, anything to do with web three and real estate. You know, my goal is to bring in all of the people, top real estate investors, top developers, top crypto experts, and have them all get together in this mastermind and see what happens. Because whenever you get really smart, passionate people into the same place, you know, innovation happens from that. And so that's the goal. Be the hub for that. But there's also a ton of other things that, you know, we're doing just to kind of like prove the concept. You know, one is, with the NFT, if you stake it, meaning you kind of lock it up for a period of time, it will produce a cryptocurrency that we call Tycoin. And with this Tycoin, you're going to be able to buy all of these things in our Tykes ecosystem. And so it's like, you know, the trainings we're talking about, you would use your Tycoin to go, you know, attend that training. These events, you would use your Tycoin to attend the event. You know, our members are going to be able to offer products too and services. So it's like, all right, if they want to offer it on the marketplace, you pay them in Tycoin. And it creates this whole ecosystem that no one's ever done before that I'm super excited about because it's literally revolutionary. And, you know, like one other thing that I did, and this was just for fun, I didn't even need to do this, but just to prove the concept of what's going to be possible. You know, I took one of my houses here in Vegas. It's a one and a half million dollar home. And I said, you know what? I'm going to NFT it. And I'm going to let my people in the Tykes community stay at it. They're going to be able to use their Tycoin to purchase dates to stay at the property. And they're going to get an NFT for those dates. And they can go stay there or they can go sell the NFT. They can go do whatever they want. But whoever has that NFT has the rights to go stay at that property for those dates. and. I'm going to buy real estate all over the world, just sick real estate that people are going to be able to do that with that, you know, are in the Tykes community. It's just a perk. Like I didn't even need to do that. Like the, the education part is cool, but this is just more of the marketing part of just like, who else is doing this? Right. So that's going to be happening in the Tykes community. And there's going to be a ton of other stuff that happened along the way, but I'm really excited for it. And I'm excited to build that. But really what's happening is Behind the scenes, I'm building other businesses for digital real estate to solve a lot of the problems that currently exist. So not only am I building businesses, but there are other people that I'm talking to and venture capitalists and other people that like are looking for different... like They know it's coming. And so everybody's trying to start the things that are going to end up being you know, billion-dollar companies. And that's what I see. I see like myself potentially building a billion-dollar company in this space. It's not going to be in one of these, like this is the industry to do it. And so potential problems to solve just for anyone listening, you're like, okay, I get it. But like, what are you even going to solve? What's the problem I don't know about? Well, you know, one is syndications, right? Like people on the show probably are very aware of syndications and how they work. But, you know, like one of the big issues with syndications is liquidity, right? You know, I have a fund. Anytime I have to go raise money, it's like, yeah, you know, your money's going to be in the fund for the next three to five years. And 
that's a hard sell, man, because locking your money up is not fun knowing that you can't really exit until you know the GP wants to sell or refinance. But what if you know you NFT'd those shares and they could be sold on the open market, right? So at any point you want to exit your position, you can just like a stock and it doesn't affect the deal itself, right? Like somebody else wants to take your position. Maybe you think the market's going to crash and you want to sell now. Maybe you know you just want to cash out because you got a better opportunity or you need money. Who cares, right? But being able to trade on an open market and you know have your shares be you know tokenized is so big and it creates this liquidity that doesn't currently exist in you know normal syndication. So that's a huge issue. You know, like another problem to solve is just title companies, man. Like we all, I don't think anyone I've ever met really likes paying title fees, like or, or closing costs or anything, right? And they're so expensive for like really at the end of the day, what they do. You know, blockchain literally solves all issues for like all those fees. You know, like the reason you pay for title insurance is to make sure that the person selling you the home actually owns it. They don't owe any of these crazy things, right? But if the house is on the blockchain, nobody can sell it except the true owner. Like they are the only ones who have access to the home on the blockchain. Like they cannot be transferred without their wallet. And this is already happening. People are already NFTing real world homes. People are already syndicating and trading the tokenized funds and, and things with apartments. That's already happening. It's just not mainstream yet. And the moment it becomes mainstream, you know, people are going to be like, well, why would I invest in this fund where my money's tied up for five years when I can invest in this one? And, you know, yeah, I believe in it, but at least I have the option to sell at some point if I feel like it gives you more control as the investor. You know, there are so many other things like, you know, people are also asking about metaverse land and like, how do you invest in that with real estate? That's a whole nother topic that's going to be enormous as well. You know, I would guess like the metaverse isn't something today that you should worry about, but five years from now, metaverse land and everything is going to be really big. So, dude, there's a whole frontier that's going to be massive. And I just kind of want to lead the forefront. And I think, you know, everything we do at Tykes is going to educate, it's going to inspire, and it's going to kind of, I think we're going to start a lot of the businesses. And I think there's going to be a lot of millionaires and even billionaires made from what happens there. I can tell Ryan, like, it almost seems like all these businesses that you've already built are kind of leading into maybe somewhere for you in the, in the digital space. And you, and you just taking all the skills that you've been able to harness and, and, and create, just taking it into a new frontier. I mean, I could, I could see that being massively successful for you as, as far as you're already starting to dip your toe in with the NFTs. But when you start to go down that path and see, oh, you can, you can buy plots of land in the, in the metaverse, and then you can open shops that sell actual real goods inside of the metaverse for people that want to use them. And there's actual functionality inside of those. The possibilities are, are limitless, really. So it's really, really cool that you're one of the first people that are thinking about it in the real estate context. And I've, I've actually seen it out there in a few different ways. The, the big challenge to overcome, I think, is when you're putting it on an open market, it's like, how do you evaluate what your property's worth specifically in that moment to do the trades? And then how do you have the other side available to, to necessarily make those trades? But those are all problems that are, are solvable. 
and mm-hmm. they're they're coming and you know maybe you're the one to solve it so it's pretty cool uh, to whoever see solves that. a lot of these problems is going to make friggin' billions of dollars <laughs> yeah, that's the exactly. thing <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's why i'm yep. excited you know, it's like with any industry right it's like no matter how great of an entrepreneur you are if you're not in the right industry or the right timing then you're going to get a worse result than someone who is so it's like you know the dude who bought bitcoin in 2013 he could have been the dumbest person ever but he bought at the right time like he just got he got lucky and he killed just, it just just like anything in the world including real estate the deal that you're trying to land it's all everything's about timing yep so paying attention to that i think is it's going to separate the people that really, like you said, make the billions versus those that are just kind of there. Yeah, because um, people will adopt it, you know, whenever that is. Maybe it's five years from now, maybe it's 10, right? And so they do it. But it's like when you have guys like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos who have the foresight to see where the world's going, it's like, yeah, dude, Tesla got started in 2008, dude, you know, and it didn't gain mainstream popularity until, you know, the last five years, really. And it took him so long to like educate people why electric cars were going to take over and like gas companies are laughing at him and, you know, all these legacy motor companies like, dude, nobody's buying electric cars. You can't do it. It's like, no, people are going to buy them, dude. And guess what too? Cars are going to drive themselves one day and, (laughs) you know, they're going to put everything out of business. And it's just like, yeah, you know, Amazon had the same foresight of like, yeah, we're going to lose money the next 10 years because we know if we can get enough customers on Amazon, we're taking everything. It's winner take all. And all business works like that if you study. Yep. Ryan, how can people reach you if they want to get a hold of you? Yeah. So if you go to ryanpineda.com, you can see all my socials, see all my companies, you know, kind of connect with me there. You can chat with my team and see which companies are a good fit. If you're interested in joining us at Tykes, you can go to tykes.io. That's T-Y-K-E-S.io. And you can join the revolution before we mint and really get this party started. Awesome. Ryan, man, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you today. I think uh, your story is incredible and the things that you've accomplished are, are also. So I uh, really appreciate your time and look forward to connecting with you in the future. Cool, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Guys, I really loved that interview. And I I love what Ryan said about uh, always thinking about how you can get screwed in your business. I think it's so important, especially in today's environment, that you're paying attention to that. He's always paranoid about that. Let me ask you, are you paranoid about that on a day-to-day basis? about what's coming, what's ahead, thinking about how, hey, if these worst case scenarios happen, what am I gonna do inside of my business to make sure that I don't get destroyed by whatever's coming? We don't know what's coming exactly, right? We we have ideas and, and speculation and there's, if I knew the answer to that, I'd be wealthy beyond imagine, but the reality is, is that something is coming and you have to make sure that you're in running worst case scenarios and then pivoting your business and figuring out, hey, what do I need to do? On the multifamily side, I can tell you one of the the first things you can do is make sure your operations are running as, as well as they can. Get your occupancy up as high as it can go. Kick out the idiots that aren't paying. Make sure that you, everything is running well so that you can withstand a storm. 
And I think that, you know, that's the very first thing. If you're if your operations aren't quite where they need to be, do everything you can and try to get them running and get the cash flow pumping. We still have amazing cash flow in our business and we can still take advantage of inflation, like I mentioned earlier, but you have to have the operations going and build up those cash reserves. So to go along with that, I thought a really cool strategy within that was to cross-train people and make sure that if you have employees or partners or whatever, you guys all know the major skill sets that you need to be able to operate the business in case somebody leaves your company. Who knows what's on the horizon, right? And we want to make sure people know about how to do different skills within. I know we practice that in our, inside of our business, and it's super important just to make sure that you have that coverage. The other thing that I love that he talked about is how he was able to remove himself from the day-to-day. And the day-to-day, he, he learned that through a mentor. So he found a mentor that taught him how to, how to build this. He said there's similar frameworks in every different in a, in a really in business that you can apply in any kind of industry. And so he really focused on that heavily. And now he's been able to make different businesses and keep himself out of the day-to-day just because of a mentor. A mentor showed him what he needed. He was doing the businesses wrong in the beginning. This guy showed him the way. And now he's got all these amazing businesses that are, that are just crushing it. So actually, the Michael Blanc Brands has a mentorship program that you can get yourself into if you don't already know about it. And you can find yourself on a similar path that he found himself on in purchasing your first real estate deal or just taking yourself to the next level in real estate by going to themichaelblanc.com slash mentor. So if you guys want to hear out more about that, go to themichaelblanc.com slash mentor and check out what we have going on there. It's really interesting and very exciting. You get to partner up with somebody that's done it before. They're not doing this for the money. They're doing it because they want to help their experienced operators in the business. And you can learn from them in order to get your first deal done. With that said, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com slash vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.